This episode is brought to you by 1010. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly and sustainably sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a set of 10 uniquely beautiful diamond rings, and they're available now exclusively at BlueNile.com. This exciting collection of truly unique, limited edition diamond engagement rings is available now only at BlueNile.com. You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked on Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunkin' with Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the Fansided Network. Happy Tuesday, everybody. The Timberwolves fell on Monday night to the Dallas Mavericks, their second consecutive loss. This was yet another game that the Wolves fell behind massively in the first half. They were down 20 at halftime, then came back and made it interesting at the end. Today, we'll break down that game, key takeaways, as well as individual studs and duds, and then take a peek ahead at the schedule the rest of the week and take a look at a couple of the league-wide power rankings that are out and look at the Wolves standings right, standing right now, given what we've seen from this team so far with Carlton A. Towns hopefully on the precipice of returning. Juancho Hernan Gomez played for the first time in a few weeks tonight. D'Angelo Russell aggravated his injury, however, so there's still a lot of question marks on the injury front, but just kind of look at the overall, you know, what's the league's view of the Timberwolves right now? What's the national perspective on the Timberwolves? If you hadn't watched the Wolves all year, you know, what would you say? What are the cliff notes of the season so far? So I want to finish the show today with that. But we'll start with the key takeaways from Wolves Mavs on Monday. First, though, a quick reminder, you can subscribe to the show anywhere you get podcasts. Of course, that includes iTunes. You can also follow us on Spotify and follow us on Twitter at Locked on T Wolves. That's at Locked on T Wolves. Don't forget the T. Also, my account is at B Beacon. That's B Beacon, two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. All right. So Wolves Mavs on Monday. This was, I said this on the show, on Monday's show, you know, previewing the matchup that I thought Luka Doncic provide, I mean, he always is a, is a unique matchup for any opposing team. Didn't spend much time talking about Chris Epps Porzingis, who's still kind of getting his legs underneath him this year. He was a monster in this game. Um, Luka Doncic was good. Uh, but but he wasn't great. He had a lot of turnovers, wasn't super efficient. Porzingis was outstanding. He really ate Nasrid's lunch the first part of the game when, when things were still kind of in the balance, um, it was all Porzingis early. He made his first four shots. I think six of his first seven, he had 10 points in the first like three minutes of the game. And the Mavs ended up going up 43 to 22 at the end of the first quarter. So another 40 point quarter given up by the Timberwolves going back to Saturday's game in OKC. The Wolves also gave it 43 points in that first quarter and 40 in the second quarter. So three out of the last five quarters of defense, the Wolves have given up 40 or more points and twice they've given up 43 points in the first quarter. That's not what you want to put it, I guess, really lightly and obviously. Um, So 43 points in the first quarter, but to make matters worse, the offense was basically non-existent. Nobody could make shots. Um, the, The just across the board, it was just a miserable first quarter. It was about as bad of a quarter as the Wolves have played. And, and, and I recognize that that's saying a lot, um, but it, it was really, really bad. Then the second quarter against the Thunder, the Wolves at least showed some life offensively. They still gave up 40 points in the second quarter on Saturday. 
This was the Wolves actually won the second quarter by one, but after a pretty strong start to the quarter, things went downhill again, and the Mavs, you know, built the lead back up to twenty by halftime. So it was a twenty point halftime lead. Also notably, D'Angelo Russell played six minutes in the first quarter, hit a couple of shots, um, both threes actually, open threes that he knocked down, and then left the game and it wasn't even in the bench area. And clearly went back to the locker room with uh, with an aggravation of the quadriceps injury that held him out Saturday. That's he missed some time a couple of weeks ago with that injury and was questionable to play on Monday. After the game, Ryan Saunders didn't have much to say other than that uh, Russell was obviously supposed to play regular minutes load in the game, told Saunders his, he had leg soreness and then um, it was expecting to go back in, but Saunders decided to shut him down for the game after he found out that he had was still having soreness. So it seems weird, but you know, whatever. Um, obviously, hopefully there's nothing major. And that was just Russell being cautious and the Wolves themselves being super cautious with Russell. So he only played six minutes. And this was a game when Jordan McLaughlin was not active. Of course, he can only play um, a specified number of games with his two-way contract and was not dressed for this game. So you only have Ricky Rubio off the bench. He ended up playing 34 minutes and actually played pretty well. We'll get more into his game in a little bit. Um, but there was no backup point guard. So that meant you had, I mean, Rubio played 34 minutes. Russell played six. That means you had eight minutes total that were basically split between the second and and third quarter. There was a little bit, I think, early in the fourth where you had Jalen Noel and Anthony Edwards effectively running the point guard spot, kind of sharing ball handling duties. For the most part, it did not go well. Um, there, were, there were a couple of moments early that were okay, but uh, for the most part, it, that pairing really struggled. Um, so at any rate, halftime, 20-point lead at halftime um, for the Mavericks. Third quarter, there just wasn't that surge like there was in Oklahoma City. Remember, the Wolves went on a 17-3 run and won that quarter. I think it was 33-11 uh, to 11 or 34-11 to 11 in Oklahoma City on Saturday. That didn't happen. The Wolves chipped away a little. They got to within 12, but the Mavs pushed it up to 20. And then by the end of the quarter, it was it was it had settled at 18 points. And it held that way. It was still a double-figure lead for the majority of the fourth quarter until all of a sudden Malik Beasley was just piping hot. He ended up scoring uh, 22 points in the fourth quarter alone. The Wolves just kept going back to the well, as, as they should have, back to Beasley. They played a weird lineup for most of the fourth quarter. Nas Reed was off the floor midway through the, uh, the fourth, and uh, Jared Vanderbilt took over the center spot. Josh Akogi was on the floor and then eventually subbed out in favor of Anthony Edwards. And then it was Rubio, it was Malik Beasley, and it was Juancho Hernan Gomez to start the quarter. And then the Wolves switched back to uh, Jake Lehman at the very end of the game. But it just kind of a weird, it was the first minutes Juancho has seen, of course, since he was out uh, about three weeks ago with COVID-19. And um, he only played the nine minutes to start the fourth, but actually played really well and kind of helped key that comeback along with Malik Beasley. So, the fourth quarter was great. Um, and really they played hard in the second and third quarter. I mean, I think it was as much the Mavericks getting bored with a 20 plus point lead after one quarter as anything else. And the Mavs certainly let the Wolves back in at lots of sloppy turnovers. Uh, I mentioned Doncic didn't have all that great of a game. Um, he, he was really sloppy and Minnesota's fortunate that Dallas didn't keep their foot on their, on Minnesota's neck in the middle portion of the game because it allowed the Wolves to feel like they had some life. 18 points going into the fourth obviously should be a comfortable lead, but as Wolves fans know, it's not when you're the Timberwolves. And in this case, the Mavericks gave most of it back. Minnesota got to within three in the final couple of minutes, but Dallas scored and then Minnesota couldn't hold serve. Beasley missed a three that was kind of forced on a, on a play call out of a timeout when they could have um, 
you know, they didn't need a three. It was, there was about 30 seconds left, a little less than 30 seconds. And Beasley forced up a three hard to blame him. And obviously the wolves were going to go to him all along. Um, but he had been so hot in the fourth, especially that why not go back to Beasley, but he missed. And then uh, a little bit of the, the foul game and the wolves still end up losing by five, but they got it to within three. The moral of the story is, um, I mean, Malik Beasley's really good. He's a really good shooter. Of course, he only had three points in the first half. And um, then he had a, what, he finished with 30 and he had 22 in the fourth quarter. So he had five in the third quarter and 22 in the fourth. Obviously, the Wolves need Beasley to get going quicker. He shot one of six in the first half. So, um, you know, they didn't go to him as often as they should have with no D'Angelo Russell and obviously no Carl Anthony Towns. But Beasley himself just wasn't having a good night until the fourth quarter. And then he absolutely went off. So what I want to do next is talk about just a couple of key takeaways, because this was in some ways very similar to the Thunder game. It's just the big the big run was in the third quarter instead of the fourth. The Wolves never actually took the lead, and then they still had some issues down the stretch. So I want to hit a couple of those key takeaways pretty quickly, and then studs and duds, and then I want to take the, a quick global look at the Timberwolves. As we sit here right now today, um, you know, exactly, I think, one third of the way through the season. So that'll be what we do next. First, let's talk about betonline.ag. If you are thinking about getting into sports betting, betonline.ag is the place for you, and you can get set to go with a 50% welcome bonus at betonline.ag. I got into a couple weeks ago and uh, loved the Super Bowl prop bets. I've had a lot of fun betting NBA, college basketball, um, football, what was still going on, and then also a little bit of NHL as well. Um, Right now, you can go to betonline.ag, sign up today for a free account, use the promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. Again, that's betonline.ag. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action and don't forget to use the promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get podcasts. All right, um, so key takeaways from this game. Number one, the defense was again atrocious in the first quarter. It wasn't as much transition defense in this game as it was against the Thunder. Um, Dallas was content to play in the half court, and Minnesota's offense was good enough in the first few minutes that the Mavs didn't really get out and run all that much. Um it was mostly Porzingis early. Nas really struggled with Chris Depp's Porzingis. And, and that's, I mean, that's to be expected. Porzingis is really good. He's really long. He's a lot bigger than Nas Reed um, in terms of his height and length. And um, Nas just doesn't have the lateral quickness to stay in front of a, of a 7-3 player who could cross over and shoot off the bounds, get to the rim, make reverse layups, hang in the air, all the stuff that Porzingis does. Um it just wasn't fair to expect Nas Reed to to handle that. And it's not like the Wolves had many other options. I mean, that's a tough cover for anybody. Um, obviously, Carl Anthony Towns would have had a much better chance, but the Wolves had Nas Reed and he played the majority of the minutes at center and, and struggled early. So that was number one, because the Mavs were very smart to go with Kristaps Porzingis against Nas Reed. They were going to have a better better luck there than, you know, going anywhere else. The Wolves did start Josh Okogie, um, and he shadowed Doncic for most of the first part of the game and actually did a really good job with him. The Wolves were switching basically everything in this game. I think that was clearly the plan. And it, you know, it, it worked in the sense that Doncic committed seven turnovers and was nine of 22 from the floor, one of seven beyond the arc. The Mavs of, as a team didn't actually shoot the ball that well beyond the arc. Um, outside of Porzingis and Tim Hardaway Jr., who had 24 off the bench and made four threes, 
the rest of the Mavs didn't do a whole lot of damage, at least not efficient damage. Um, and I think the Wolves game plan wasn't awful defensively, except for trying to figure out a way to slow down Porzingis and, and, you know, clearly there could have been some adjustments made, but, um, that was, that was really the biggest, the biggest issue early in this game. Offensively, the Wolves just couldn't get anything going. And to be, it's to be expected that with no point guard on the floor, some of those possessions were just really disjointed. I mean, Jalen Noel, Jade McDaniels pick and roll was not a thing of beauty. It wasn't, and not saying that it won't be someday, but those guys haven't shared the floor enough together. The lineup combinations ended up being really funky, and and part of that was due to it was just it was just out of necessity because of the players that were available and and um, the combinations that that Saunders could use in this game. Um, but the offense couldn't get going early, even when it was the normal road. I mean, Rubio had a really rough start to the game. He came on stronger as the game went on, uh, but the Wolves couldn't get Beasley open shots. Uh, the Mavs were forcing the ball. You know, they were allowing Josh Okoge to catch the ball everywhere on the court. And then he was having to make decisions and he played much better in this one, especially defensively. But, um, Okoge is not going to get a stud for this game, but you could make an argument based on his defense. And plus the fact that he was three for three from the floor, made his only three point attempt, made all four of his free throw attempts and was a plus 20 in 26 minutes in a game that the Wolves lost by five and were trailing by 20 at halftime, 18 going to the fourth quarter. So Okoge played really well in this game, especially compared to how he looked the two games in Oklahoma city and going back to last week as well. Um, but the Mavs were still trying to make the Wolves, you know, they were, they were allowing the Wolves to, to kind of run their offense through Okoge, whether it was, he was at as a cutter or getting the ball in the perimeter, they were forcing the ball to him. Um, and Anthony Edwards early in the game was just had complete tunnel vision, was going straight to the basket every time he caught the ball, which wasn't, isn't normally necessarily the worst thing, but he had, I think four shots blocked in the first half and three of them came in really rapid succession. Um, he ended up with only one turnover, but he shot the ball 19 times, only made eight shot attempts. And well, he finished with 22 points. It was just kind of a weird disjointed game from him and, and ultimately not awful. It's just as the Wolves offense was struggling, it became too much Anthony Edwards isolation and Anthony Edwards tunnel vision headed to the basket, not looking to distribute. Um, he's been much, much, much better in isolation than he has been handling in the pick and roll. And so I don't fault the Wolves for doing that. It's, it's just something he's got to continue to learn. And the Mavericks did an awesome job of understanding that and collapsing on Edwards. Every time he got into the paint, seemed like there were three green jerseys around him. Um, and so that was another thing the Mavs did well. And the Wolves didn't really adjust to until the second half um, when they started running a lot more pick and rolls on the perimeter. And Edwards just wasn't as much of a part of the game plan in the second half. And, and the Wolves started to funnel things more towards Malik Beasley. Um, Early in the game, every time Nas Reed was in the pick and roll, if he got the ball on the roll, he was switching into a back to the basket mode and, and trying to get a post up shot um, up at the rim. And it wasn't really working against Porzingis. He had a couple of shots blocked as well and shot just three of 12. We'll talk more about Nas's game here in a minute. So um, overall, not a terrible defensive game plan to start the game. They just didn't execute it right. And there was no chance of slowing down Porzingis. The offensive game plan was shaky and both things improved as the game went on. Obviously they, they went from a 21 point deficit in the first quarter, 20 at halftime to losing by five. Um, but it just wasn't, it was just another really, really pathetic first quarter effort, effort from the Timberwolves. And um, it, they, they need to, they need to figure out a way to, this is the most obvious statement of, of the podcast, but they need to figure out a way to not allow that to happen on Wednesday against the Clippers. And of course, the Clippers are by far the most dynamic team of 
of the last, you know, between Oklahoma City and Dallas, the Clippers are the team that are most likely to get out to a start like that. So um, clearly something that Ryan Saunders needs to do differently, needs to get his team to do differently next time out. All right, individual studs and duds. Um, this is easy. Malik Beasley, for as, as much as he, I mean, he only had three points at halftime, struggled a little bit in the first half, finished with 30 on 21 shots, 10 of 21 shooting, was six of 12 beyond the arc, four of six at the free throw line, nine rebounds, six assists, zero turnovers for Malik Beasley. He was a plus eight in the plus minus column and added a steal and a block. He was fantastic. Um, had a massive offensive rebound and a lay-in down the stretch to get the Wolves within three before Dallas stretched it back out to five. And then ultimately the Wolves never got any closer again. But that offensive rebound among the trees in the paint and put back is what got the Wolves to within three. And before that, he was making a three seemingly every time down the court, uh, made a couple of mid-range jumpers, was just really good all the way around in this game. He did play 34 minutes, which is um, which is good. I mean, I was a little surprised when he came back in midway through the fourth quarter that they were going back to him when they were down by 18. Um, you know, I, I thought that was kind of a pack it in and, and let Jalen Noel close this one out. But thankfully, they went back to Beasley and he had an awesome fourth quarter. And, uh, you know, 22 points in the fourth. I think I saw that was the second most points by a Timberwolf in the fourth quarter of a game. Um in in franchise history, I believe. Um, so I, just a great all around game from from Malik Beasley, and obviously most of the damage done in the fourth quarter. But still, the overall line is very good. And um, he had a couple possessions where he ended up on Doncic and actually did okay, competed. Clearly, he's still trying much harder on that end of the floor and to rebound the ball. Those things happened tonight, um, and it was awesome to see. Um, another stud in this game is. Uh, is off the bench, Jalen Noel, 18 points, five rebounds, a steal, an assist, a block, six of nine shooting, again, very efficient, one of two beyond the arc, and actually got six free throw attempts too, which was refreshing to see. He hasn't gotten to the line a whole lot um, you know, since he's joined the rotation, but another double figure scoring night, 18 points in 21 minutes, five of six at the free throw line was, was a big part of that. And also the five rebounds were good too. Something I've mentioned quite a few times on the show is that he just doesn't do much outside of score. He, he, is also a player that gets tunnel vision and it can score and, and score fairly efficiently, but he doesn't rebound a lot. Doesn't have a lot of assists. He did just have the one assist in 21 minutes, but was pretty good in this game. Um, and so that was good to see. I'm also going to give a stud to Ricky Rubio. He had nine points, seven assists, four rebounds, four steals, three of nine shooting. He made two threes in this game. He hadn't made a three since January 1st. That is five weeks, um, two of five beyond the arc, one or two at the free throw line. But nine, seven, four, and four is a really nice line, plus 10 in 34 minutes as the Wolves' sole point guard after Russell went out. So he was asked to play a lot more minutes. I'd be willing to bet that's his most minutes in a game this season, and I'll, I'll look that up real quick. Um, but unexpectedly called into extra heavy duty, played really well. Um, and yes, that ties his most minutes in a game this year. He also played 34 in the overtime loss to the Spurs, which was um, the first Carl Anthony turns. Carl Anthony Towns game back of his, uh, after his wrist injury that they lost in overtime. So tied for the second most minutes he's played in a game this year and one of his better games of the season, all things considered after a slow first stint, um, he, it's almost like he just kind of locked in once he knew he was the guy tonight, um, at point guard with no Russell and had a couple of tricky Ricky, you know, almost uh, rookie Ricky Rubio passes behind the back to Vanderbilt down the stretch when they were trying to make a comeback for a dunk to Vando or a lay in for Dan Vando. Um, there's one other really impressive kind of drop pass in the paint that we saw a ton of to Nikola Pekovic and uh, Kevin Love early in Rubio's career where he would dribble underneath the basket and just kind of drop a bounce pass to a, to a cutting big. We saw that a couple of times in the fourth quarter. And 
I don't know if that's something that's going to keep happening or not, but it was refreshing to see. And he was a big part of why the Wolves were still in this game. Um, were able to get back into the game late in the fourth quarter. Duds for this game. One of them is Nas Reed. Unfortunately, after having a career high game in Oklahoma City, 29 points um, in the game against the Thunder, he had six points, only two rebounds in this game, two assists and a steal, one turnover, committed five fouls in 21 minutes, shot only three of 12 from the floor, was 0 of 4 beyond the arc, and none of his jumpers really looked like they were true. It was all just kind of off for Nas tonight. Um, again, the matchup with Porzingis is really tough for anybody, especially Nas. It just, it, the lateral quickness isn't there to slow down a guy like Nas or a guy like Chris Stapps on that end of the floor. And offensively, it just, again, just out of sync for Nas Reed. Um, so disappointing night for him. He'll get, I'm sure, I shouldn't say I'm sure. It seems unlikely. Towns was listed as doubtful for Monday's game. Seems unlikely he'll play against the Clippers on Wednesday. So Nas will get another chance in another tough matchup to show what he can do next time out. The other dud for me in this game, uh, this is also a tough one, but I'm going to give it to Jaden McDaniels. This was probably his worst game since he joined the rotation um, regularly. He did have six points, five rebounds in 20 minutes, but he was only two of three shooting. All three of his shot attempts were threes. Didn't have any offensive rebounds, had one assist, two turnovers, committed three fouls, was a team worst, minus 22. And as I've said before, single game plus minus has a ton of noise to it, but McDaniels struggled tonight. Um, Just wasn't really in it offensively, didn't do enough on the glass, got beasted a couple of times on the glass by Porzingis and others. Um, Just not a strong game for McDaniels. And that's okay. I mean, he's, he's what? He's 19 uh, or he just turned 20, I think. Um, That's to be expected. That's going to happen. So not a huge deal but he does finish the night with the second dud. All right, next I want to take a peek ahead at the schedule, talk about power rankings and just some high level where the Wolves are at right now, which can kind of set the tone for, um, I guess, for the rest of the week because, because, I mean, the Wolves are now playing every other day. There's no back-to-back. So I think we can take a little bit of a step back. We're at the the 33%, 34% mark of the season in terms of games played. And we can just kind of see where the Wolves are at as we sit here today. Um, first, though, let's talk about our friends at rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person at the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand that their warehouse happens to carry? You have a computer with access to rockauto.com both at home and in your pocket. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody, and they're reliably low. They always offer the lowest prices possible, rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear, like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require a membership or account login. It's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Again, the prices are always reliably low, and they are the same for both professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the exact same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. February is Black History Month, and the Locked On Podcast Network is honoring the challenges and success of black men and women in sports with a new series called Locked On Presents More Than the Game. 
This week, Candace Cooper of Locked on Tar Heels and Erica Ayala of Locked on Women's Basketball discuss the opportunities and challenges that come with being a black woman in sports. Subscribe to the Locked on Presents podcast feed on the radio.com app or wherever you get podcasts. All right, um, let's talk big picture real quickly in terms of the Wolves upcoming schedule. Um, things are real difficult before they get easy. This was unfortunately, January was the easiest month in the first half of the schedule and it wasn't close. Carlton Towns only played in two games in January. Obviously, um, you know, much more important that he gets healthy and, and clearly he seems to be on the path to, to, uh, to full health with COVID-19, but just a really rough month for the Wolves. It, you know, coming into it, it looked like they had a chance to, to sniff a 500 record for the month. Instead, they won, they won, uh, actually not four games. They only won three games in January. Um, and it just, the schedule gets tough now. I mean, they obviously Dallas, um, now the Clippers on Wednesday at Charlotte at Toronto are both winnable games against, you know, teams that have struggled to this point in the season. Charlotte surprised people. Toronto's disappointed, but they're both teams that are certainly better than the wolves. Um, and then the Lakers at home, Indiana at home, Toronto at home, Back on the road, New York, Milwaukee, Chicago, Washington, before finishing the first half of the season with Phoenix and Charlotte. Um, I mean, what, there's four below 500 teams on the schedule, and the only one kind of in the same conversation as the Wolves as a bottom five or six team in the league is Washington. Um, Charlotte, even at this point, I, you know, you wouldn't say that because they're, what's the record? They're 12 and 13, so they're almost at the 500 mark. They've been really good again lately. Um, so it's a difficult schedule for the Timberwolves. Obviously, they're not going to be favored in any of those games, except for maybe at Washington, um, maybe at New York, depending on how the Knicks are playing here in a couple of weeks. But it's a tough stretch. Um now, Towns being doubtful Monday implies that he'll be back later this week, if not Wednesday, perhaps Friday, or maybe Sunday at Toronto. But that's going to make a, a huge difference for the Timberwolves. You know, once once he does get back, once the Angel Russell gets back to full health, and this team can start to look a little bit more like the team that Gerson Rosas tried to construct. Um, if I was taking a 10,000 foot view of the Timberwolves, and this is going to be like a really kind of quick and dirty bullet points on the season to this point. Number one, this team was constructed to to play with Carl Anthony Towns as the centerpiece. And there's, there's no other way to say that. I mean, obviously he's the best player, but everything that the Wolves put around Carl Anthony Towns was to accentuate Carl Anthony Towns' strengths, to try and help some of his, his weaknesses on the defensive end. And unfortunately, he's played in four of the Timberwolves' 22 games to this point. And or 23, 23 games now. And that's that's just the unfortunate reality of the season so far. Malik Beasley's an awesome compliment to Carl Anthony Towns. A guy with a quick release who can shoot on the catch, who can uh, just be lightning quick in transition, can stop on a diamond shoot, has athleticism to score at the rim, is a really good cutter. Um, if, you, if you're playing Towns in the post, or even if you're playing a five-out type system and Towns is handling the ball on the perimeter, Beasley is an almost perfect fit for what you want in the backcourt with Carl Anthony Towns. D'Angelo Russell, we've talked about this. He's an awesome pick and roll fit with Carl Anthony Towns. And he's played five games with Carl Anthony Towns since he was acquired over a calendar year ago now. By the way, Malik Beasley's only played six games with Carl Anthony Towns. How many games have they all played together, all three of them? I think that's four because I believe D'Lo missed the first game. Yeah, they played one in Toronto last year and then they played... Uh, for this year. So the answer is five, I guess. Um, so it that's that's number one. I mean, those are your three best players. They've shared the court together, the three of them, five times. 
Towns has played with Beasley six times. Towns has played with Russell five times. That's it. Everything else was constructed. You know, the the, the positional flexibility, the the defensive uh, prowess of a guy like Josh Akogi, bringing in a, a tougher big who can kind of, um, you know, help mentor Nas Reed and Towns defensively, help explain the defensive scheme and Ed Davis. You know, all these things are are being done to improve Towns defensively, to continue to accentuate his strengths on offense. And, and it just hasn't been able to come to fruition. That's number one. And, and it's not really an excuse as much as it is. It's just a fact. I mean, that's how the Wolves constructed this team. Number two, the Wolves offseason moves have not, have not worked out. Um, the, the big ones, right? The, I mean, the Malik Beasley resigning is, is the biggest one from a salary perspective that has worked out. The other ones haven't. Ricky Rubio is getting paid $17 million and he just hasn't been very good. Um, in, in probably three quarters of the games this year, he's had below average games, individual performances in terms of what Ricky Rubio is supposed to provide. He hasn't played well with D'Angelo Russell. He's played slightly better when he shared the court in limited minutes with Jordan McLaughlin. And he just hasn't looked like himself. Silly turnovers, um, silly fouls. The shooting's been worse than it even was when he, in his first stint with Minnesota, nothing like it was in Phoenix last year, even in Utah the two years before that. So he hasn't panned out as expected. Juancho Hernan Gomez was the Wolves' worst player over the first couple of weeks of the season, then gets COVID-19, looked good in the fourth quarter in, in Monday's game against the Mavs, but he's getting paid an average annual value of $7 million over the next three years and has not performed up to that standard. Um, and those are the two things outside of Beasley. Anthony Edwards has not been good overall this year, certainly shown promise and certainly had some great performances, but he hasn't contributed either. The third thing is the promise that some of the fringe players have provided, whether that's uh, Nas Reed playing well in town's absence. I'm still a little bit dubious on his long-term future. I think he does profile more as a backup than a starter for anybody, not just the Wolves, obviously, with with Towns in Minnesota. Uh, but he's been he's played fine. Jared Vanderbilt is clearly a role player. He's a rotation player in this league. Jade McDaniels has the upside of a starter, at least in this league. Um, and, and his defense right now is far better than what was advertised. And that's certainly promising. Jalen Noel, I think, is a sixth man, maybe even a starter in the making. I think he's somebody, and we'll get into this in the coming days. I have a couple of, of uh, you know, thoughts related to trade deadline, what the Wolves might try and do, what what they should try and do, and I think it could end up with Jalen Noel getting a larger role with the Wolves, depending on who ends up getting moved at the deadline. Um, so Noel, Vanderbilt, McDaniel's, Reed. Uh, Jordan McLaughlin, when he's gotten on the court this year, these are all fringe players that, and obviously McDaniels is a first rounder, but Vanderbilt was a second rounder that the Wolves got as almost a throw in straight up for Kate Bates up on the side of that massive trade last year. Jordan McLaughlin and Nas Reed were both undrafted. Jalen Noel was a second round draft pick by Gerson Rosas, signed to that four year deal, which is paying him under $2 million a year, not fully guaranteed. It looks like an absolute steal. Um, so these fringe moves have been done very well. It's the stuff in between that hasn't happened correctly for the Wolves. And that's what we're going to spend a lot more time talking about as we get closer to the trade deadline. But I thought it was good to set that up with basically, you know, here's where we are to this point. And then the final thing to mention today would be the coaching. Um, I, I alluded to this. We actually covered it quite a bit over the past couple of weeks. Obviously, Wolves Twitter up in arms about Ryan Saunders seemingly every night. There have been some issues. Absolutely, there have been issues. Um, there's some things he does very well. No question about that. But the record speaks for itself. With or without Carl Anthony Towns, the Wolves 
are in the neighborhood of, of, you know, one of the bottom three teams in the league. And yes, they're two and two with Townsend lineup. Yes. They've had a couple of impressive wins with Townsend lineup, but I mean, six and six and 18 is, is uh, not where you want to be. And that falls on the coach there. There hasn't been much improvement in, in certain areas that you'd expect improvement in the team does not consistently play hard. That matters. Some of the rotation questions have been or rotation uh, decisions have been questionable. To me, the biggest thing is late game management in terms of the clock timeouts, even some of the late game play calling. And I've said all along, I really like what the actions that Saunders runs out of timeouts, but late in the game, he's really struggled lately. Um, those things all matter and are certainly going to be considered when his job is considered at the end of this season. Um, I've said it before. I'll say it again. There, I really think there's little to no chance that there's any sort of a coaching change that happens to the Wolves in season unless Towns comes back soon and the team you know, rattles off another double-digit losing streak. I, then you have to have the conversation, right? I just don't think it's likely um, to happen before the end of the season. But it's that's a talking point, right? That, or that's a, that's a point of uh, contention with Wolves fans, and rightfully so. The, the, the Enough of these things are things that can be at least partially solved or at least improved with adequate coaching. And that hasn't been consistently the case for Minnesota this season. All right. Um, on Wednesday's show, we'll look ahead at the game between the Wolves and Clippers. We haven't seen the Clippers since game four of the season, which was a blowout in LA. So I want to talk about what the Clippers have been up to and then dive a little bit deeper um, into the issues that the Wolves have been having offensively to this point in the season and specifically, you know, some of the numbers that stand out this year versus last year. And that'll be that f- the, the focus of Wednesday show. Then later in the week, I want to start looking ahead to the trade deadline, as I alluded to a moment ago. Um, and that'll be what we do here for the rest of the week. That's all we have for you today here at Locked on Wolves. Thanks for listening once again to the Locked on Wolves podcast. Of course, part of the Locked on Podcast Network The Lockdown Podcast Network is your local experts on the biggest stories. You can subscribe to the show anywhere, including iTunes. If you are so inclined, please help us out with a positive review on iTunes. That definitely helps us get in front of more eyes and ears. You can also subscribe anywhere else that you get podcasts. That includes Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and you can follow us on Spotify. You can also follow us on Twitter at Locked on T-Wolves and at B-Beacon. That's at B-Beacon, two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked on Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time. This episode was brought to you by 1010. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly and sustainably sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a set of 10 uniquely beautiful diamond rings. They're available now exclusively at Blue Nile. This exciting collection of truly unique limited edition diamond engagement rings is available now only at BlueNile.com.